Welcome to the National Vaccine Information Center's podcast series, Informed Consent to Vaccination is a Human Right. These podcasts are from previously recorded commentaries, articles, and presentations produced by MVIC, a charitable nonprofit organization. Our next speaker is Vera Sheriff, who is a Human Rights Act advocate. Born in Romania during World War II, she is a child survivor of that experience, which informed her position that when medicine, industry, and government march in lockstep with each other, it can lead to violation of autonomy and the human rights of individuals. The mother of two sons, in 1971, she obtained a master's degree in library science from the Pratt Institute in New York. In 2001, she founded and is president of the Alliance for Human Research Protection to advocate for humanitarian values and ethical standards in medicine, including adherence to the informed consent principle. Vera has testified in public forums against mass child mental screening and against exposing children to harm in scientific experiments that included pesticides, experimental smallpox, anthrax, and AIDS vaccines, and drugs like FenFen. Her testimony before the President's Bioethics Committee helped shut down 29 clinical trials at the National Institutes of Health. Our freedom and legal rights as human beings are threatened with extinction. Whether the virus was deliberately or accidentally released, the pandemic is being exploited to maintain a state of heightened fear. Fear enabled governments to impose arbitrary draconian restrictions to constrain our mobility and our interaction with one another. Government officials even dictate what medicines physicians may or may not prescribe. Propaganda, surveillance technology, and censorship control the narrative. These restraints on our freedom foreshadow the imposition of a dictatorship. Fear and propaganda were the psychological weapons the Nazis used to impose their genocidal regime. As a child of the survivor of the Holocaust, that reign of terror, I don't make these comparisons lightly. My perspective is anchored in painful memories of a shattered childhood. I was three and a half years old when my world collapsed. My family was forced from our home. We were deported and herded into a concentration camp where my father died. The Nazis utilized technology to implement their genocidal operation. They used IBM punch card system to identify, track, deport, imprison, and exterminate the Jews of Europe and others whom they deemed unfit to live. My father died of tifus, a contagious disease that spread rapidly in the overcrowded, unsanitary conditions of the ghettos and concentration camps. Nazi propaganda used fear of infectious epidemics to demonize Jews as spreaders of disease. We were stigmatized as a menace to public health akin to life. Heinrich Himmler, the architect of the Holocaust, stated in a speech to SS officers, getting rid of life is not a question of ideology, it is a matter of cleanliness. 
in just the same way anti-Semitism for us is not a question of ideology, but a matter of cleanliness. We shall soon be denounced, he said. Typhus is one of many infectious diseases that have all but disappeared without a vaccine. This fact gets lost amidst the propaganda crediting vaccines as the only defense against infectious diseases. Vaccines have the potential to prevent disease, but also to kill the recipient. In 1930, a tuberculosis vaccination campaign in Lübeck, Germany, resulted in the death of 77 infants. The two doctors who administered the vaccines were tried by a court of law and found guilty of murder. This tragedy prompted Dr. Julius Moses to formulate ethical guidelines for medical research. The guidelines applied the Hippocratic Oath first do no harm to modern medical research. The Nazis discarded the ethical guidelines and deported Dr. Moses to Theresienstadt, where he died. However, the ethical guidelines that he formulated served as the foundation of the universal legal code of ethics, the Nuremberg Code of 1947. The first and foremost ethical principle is unequivocal. Voluntary informed consent of the human subject is absolutely essential. Informed consent stands today as it did then, as a foundational ethical standard in medicine. It is a moral requirement of both respect for the autonomy and the good of the patient. It applies equally in the therapeutic and the experimental situation, and it is the responsibility of every physician. But moral values collide with utilitarian ethics, which lead to totalitarian eugenics. Eugenics is an elitist, racist ideology cloaked in a mantle of pseudoscience. It is an ideology that devalues segments of the population as genetically inferior. The elite academic establishment embraced eugenics and declared it the modern progressive science of human improvement and race betterment. They formulated public health policies aimed at controlling reproduction of those people they deemed inferior. The objectives of public health and its methods are aligned closely with eugenics. Both rely on government to provide legal standing and both rely on police enforcement. Coercive measures were enacted to restrict, segregate, isolate, and sterilize people as if they were pets. American doctors performed mass sterilizations a decade before the Nazis. When doctors become government agents, their focus shifts from the individual patient to the unidentified abstract greater good. As state agents, doctors cannot be held personally responsible or accountable. History demonstrates 
But when doctors deviate from their moral commitment to do no harm to the individual, medicine is debased. And the healing techniques of medicine are weaponized. What makes the Holocaust unique is the pivotal role that medical doctors played. At every juncture, medical doctors made the selection. Prestigious medical academics provided the veneer of legitimacy to medical atrocities. Action T4 was the first industrialized mass medical murder project in history. The very first victims of the Holocaust were German infants and young children under the age of three. Midwives reported the birth of imperfect infants to the state, whereupon medical doctors selected the children they deemed unfit for life. Doctors and nurses supported the T4 murder operation for the greater good, to cleanse the genetic pool and to reduce the economic burden. When they came to take the children, parents were deceived. Public health officials assured them that the children would receive special treatment for their health. The children were taken into medical institutions where they were medically murdered by nurses. Some children were subjected to starvation diets, while medical doctors recorded the number of days each child survived on the minimal amount of food. Families received fake death certificates signed by medical doctors stating that the children died of natural causes. Medical establishments supported forced sterilization, infanticide, medical murders of those deemed useless eaters, unfit for life. The pool of victims was rapidly expanded to include disabled children of all ages, followed by mentally and physically disabled adults. All public health facilities in Germany and Austria participated in T4. These included the hospitals, clinics, mental institutions, and nursing homes. More than 300,000 German children and adults were murdered at mass killing centers that served as a testing ground for the later gas chambers. In concentration camps, doctors in white coats selected prisoners for slave labor, for medical experiments, and for immediate extermination. Medical researchers at elite academic institutions exploited the mass murder operation for research. They eagerly acquired victims' brains and other body parts. This murderous medical apparatus desensitized, decivilized, and dehumanized the medical profession and the entire society at large. Doctors at Auschwitz provided a continuous stream of slave laborers for a G-Farben nearby factories and mines. In fact, Auschwitz was a highly profitable subsidiary of IG-Farben and its American partners. John D. Rockefeller and Sandler. 
The doctors at Nuremberg were charged with crimes against humanity, as they should have been. But the public was misled to believe that the criminal actions of the 23 doctors on trial were aberrant deviations from German medical norms. The truth is, the entire medical establishment deviated from medical norms. The American medical community pretended that the Nuremberg Code did not apply to them. They turned a blind eye to, to grossly unethical experiments conducted by American doctors. Several experiments were conducted at the very time of the Nuremberg trial. The infamous syphilis experiment in which doctors deceived and failed to treat black men who were infected with syphilis continued for 40 years until 1972. Gruesome experiments in Guatemala were conducted from February 1947 to December 1948 by a team of doctors from the U.S. Public Health Service who used increasingly radical methods to infect more than 1,300 soldiers, prisoners, mental patients, and prostitutes with syphilis and gonorrhea. Radiation experiments were conducted from 1944 to 1974. More than 210,000 U.S. civilians and soldiers were exposed mostly without their knowledge or consent. Radioactive nutrition experiments were conducted by at Harvard and MIT researchers and mentally retarded children at the Fernald School in Massachusetts from 1944 to 1966. The children were fed Quaker oats cereal laced with radioactive iron. Other children were injected with radioactive calcium. Disease challenge experiments were once restricted to animal studies because of the high risk of harm from exposing humans to infectious disease. Doctors at Dachau and Auschwitz conducted disease challenge experiments on prisoners to test the efficacy of experimental vaccines. These doctors were tried at Nuremberg. From 1955 to 1970, profoundly retarded children who were living in squalor at Willowbrook were deliberately and repeatedly infected with hepatitis in a series of experiments testing vaccines. The children were fed hepatitis-contaminated chocolate mix. A recent article in Forbes titled The Hideous Truth of, of Testing Vaccines in Humans revisits the medical travesty of Willowbrook. The author notes that these inhumane experiments were approved by the New York State Department of Mental Hygiene and were peer-reviewed and published in premier medical journals. The proliferation of disease challenge experiments in human beings is morally abhorrent. Racial bias and the devaluation of black lives is institutionalized in public health. In the 1930s and 1940s, public health campaigns warned against contact with black women 
who were maligned as pathogen, the spreaders of venereal disease. Eugenic laws restricted marriage between people with disabilities and people of different races. Laws mandated premarital screening and laws legalized coerced sterilization. Those targeted were marginalized populations whom eugenicists regarded as undesirable and an economic burden. These were ethnic minorities and disabled people from These laws were enforced decades after the Nazis. The Family Planning Services Act of 1970 once again legalized coerced sterilization. Native American women, whom public health officials deemed unfit, were targeted for sterilization. Between 1972 and 1978, doctors sterilized an estimated 25% to 42% of Native American women. The moral and scientific scandal of eugenics has never been abandoned. Eugenic societies and journals nearly changed names. The American Eugenic Society renamed itself Society of Social Biology. The elitist ideology and racial and ethnic supremacy and the dogma of biological determinism continue to shape public health policy. Genetics and genetic engineering provide the techniques for selecting desirable hereditary rates, traits, and eliminating undesirable hereditary traits. Eugenicists misapplied genetic sciences to claim a scientific basis for racism. They continue to cling to the unsupportable belief that human behavior and human achievement are genetically determined. Public health officials devalued children as a means to an end. In 1989, the CDC tested an experimental needle dressing, the Edmonton Zagreb, in 1,500 black infants in Los Angeles. The doctors failed to disclose to parents that the vaccine was experimental. In Africa and Haiti, that EZ vaccine increased death among infant girls. In 1996, when this was exposed publicly, CDC director, Dr. David Thatcher, called the ethical violation a little mistake. A mistake was made. An example of callous disregard for the humanity of Black and Latino infants and children. From 1985, until 2004, numerous AIDS drug and vaccine experiments were conducted on Black and Latino infants and children in foster care. These multi-million dollar experiments were funded by the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and major drug companies. Dr. Anthony Fauci was and remains head of the NIAID since 1984. 
Under his watch, several controversies erupted involving ethics and safety. He dismissed safety problems in the Nibirakin trials in the children as overblown. During the trial testing Dasto with not a third drug, 10 children died. The cause of death has never been seen. The house that AIDS built is a tale of horror about medical kidnapping of infants and children by Child Protective Services. These state agencies are notorious for trampling on parental rights and children's rights. Failure to vaccinate according to the child's schedule and failure to comply with psychiatric drug regimens often results in loss of custody. Black and Latino children whose parents lack the means to wage legal battles are at greatest risk. Incarnation House in New York City served as a conduit applying foster children to Columbia University's pediatric AIDS unit. At least 532 foster infants and children in New York City were conscripted as guinea pigs in AIDS trials. The drugs tested were extremely toxic, causing the children pain and great discomfort. In 2004, we filed a federal complaint about violations of federal requirements. An important requirement is to provide an independent advocate for every foster child in research. We also helped initiate a series of reports in the media and a documentary that exposed this inhumane medical atrocity. Federal investigations confirmed the validity of our complaint. Few children had an advocate. 80 children died during the trial. Congressional hearings were held, but the children's medical records were withheld. They remained locked up at Columbia University and no one was held accountable. The Violence Initiative Project reinforced racism. In 1992, Dr. Frederick Goodwin declared that violence was a public health issue. He estimated that 100,000 children as young as five were prone to violence. He introduced the Violence Initiative Project by comparing inner-city teenagers to male monkeys in the wild. Both, he declared, were biologically predisposed to hyperaggression and hypersexuality. Dr. Goodwin was the most prominent psychiatrist in the country. He co-founded the Center for Science in the Public Interest. In 1993, 100 Black and Hispanic boys in New York City, aged 6 to 10, were subjected to the drug Senfluramine in four violence prediction experiments. The experiments sought to identify children prone to violence in the future. These children were not violent. The basis 
for the prediction was a hypothetical genetic marker for violence. This is an example of government-funded junk science in psychiatry, some of which I helped to expose. The violence initiative had two kinds objectives. First, it was to lend scientific validity to racial prejudice. And second, it was to legitimize the increased use of psychic drugs to control the children's behavior. Three of the violence prediction experiments were conducted at Columbia University. The children were violated with multiple And they were put in harm's way because sense learning was not supposed to cause cell damage. It was banned by the field. The aggressive vaccination schedule undermines children's health. Vaccines are the current profit angels of pharma and investors. The financial stakes are enormous. But vaccines are legally recognized as unequivocally unsafe, unavoidably unsafe. A growing number of parents who are informed about these risks are unwilling to expose their child to unsafe vaccines. That is parents' rights and responsibility. But these parents pose a financial threat. They are derisively labeled and taunted as anti-vaxxers. Vaccine stakeholders in industry, academia, and government feverishly lobbied lawmakers with cash to mandate the vaccine schedule. The war against disease has become a war against children. Hysteria is fomented with fake scenarios of dire global threats to public health. CDC even eliminated most exemptions, including most medical exemptions. Children who suffer serious harm following vaccination are dismissed as collateral damage, as if they have no value. Healthy, unvaccinated young children are stigmatized as spreaders of disease who pose a threat to the community. Parents who refuse to comply with the vaccination schedule are threatened with loss of custody. Protecting one's child is a human right and a mother's primal instinct. Vaccination mandates are an assault on vulnerable children, stripping them of their only loving protectors, their mother and their father. The attacks against children and their parents bring back very painful memories. I remember the anguish of parents who were prevented from protecting their children from harm. I relate to the trauma that a child suffers being threatened with separation from parents. I was such a child. The coronavirus panic is exploited as an unprecedented business opportunity. A chance to vastly expand the vaccine market and to speed up the process 
by bypassing animal safety studies. As financial interests dominate drug and vaccine research, medical ethics has all but been extinguished. <laughs> Scientists are deliberately investing human beings to reduce the testing time. High-risk COVID-19 challenge trials are being conducted in India, at Oxford, and several U.S. academic centers. Many are financed by the Bill Gates Foundation. The frenzied rush to launch a COVID-19 vaccine is not to save lives. It is propelled by financial incentives to market a vaccine before the virus disappears. Bioethicists are the academic handmaidens of government and industry. They provide bogus ethics fields to coercive public health policies, to mandates, and unethical experiments. In fact, they rushed to justify COVID challenge experiments. Not so Dr. Ruth Macklin. She recognized the essential ethical dilemma. Is it permissible to intentionally infect serious harm on a few for a possible benefit to many. Her conclusion, a rush to begin human challenge vaccine trials for grave disease lacking an effective treatment is ethically unjustified. Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel is the founding chair of bioethics at the National Institute of Health. He is the architect of Obamacare, he is chair of ethics at the University of Pennsylvania and a prominent member of Joe Biden's Public Health Advisory Committee. Dr. Emmanuel is a utilitarian eugenicist and a technocrat. He stated that doctors shouldn't take the Hippocratic oath too seriously. He crafted healthcare rationing guidelines with priority given to adolescents and young adults, whom he deemed to be the most valuable age group. Children and older adults would be at the bottom. Dr. Emanuel is a technocrat who favors an all-inclusive federal government healthcare system. Medical experts would formulate universal standards of medical care and would establish guidelines dictating who deserves to live. In public statements, Dr. Emanuel pushed the COVID panic button to extremes. He insisted that the United States must remain in lockdown for 18 months or more until a vaccine is available. Otherwise, he warned, a million deaths would result. Dr. Emanuel, recommends denying basic health care to people with dementia because, he says, they are not participating citizens. Hitler also justified the murder of disabled human beings as useless fears. The pandemic exposed chilling life and death decisions driven by eugenics. They are eerily reminiscent of Action Kippur. In March, 
government directives to hospitals and nursing homes condemned elderly people to death. Hospitals were ordered not to provide life-saving medical treatment to elderly people who were sent to nursing homes that lacked medical expertise and safeguards to prevent the spread of these conditions. The estimated U.S. toll caused by the refusal to treat the elderly is 68,000. European officials similarly condemned the elderly to death. Before Governor Cuomo issued the order that killed more than 13,000 New York nursing home residents, he fully recognized the threat the virus posed for nursing homes. He described the threat as fire through dry land. Governor Cuomo's callous disregard for the intrinsic value of human life is the embodiment of eugenics. He issued the deadly order after he shielded hospitals and nursing homes from liability. He did so at the behest of the New York Hospital Association, a large contributor to his re-election. Lockdowns wreaked havoc on every aspect of our lives and our children's lives. Lockdowns destroyed world economies, they extinguished local businesses and livelihoods of millions of people. Lockdowns caused a pandemic of fear, anxiety, helplessness, and depression. An analysis of the infection rates throughout the United States and Europe by the American Institute of Economic Research determined that no difference in the death toll. Several analysts have reached the conclusion that the lockdown with an unprecedented, massive, government-coordinated psychological experiment in population behavior control. If this is so, this was a crime against humanity. We are at a historic fork in the room. While we still have a choice, we must assert our rights as human beings. We must reject government overreach and decrees that infringe on our freedom, medical dictates that would abolish our rights as individual human beings are financially driven. They must be rejected. Are we prepared to fight for our freedom as guaranteed under the Constitution, or will we succumb to dictatorship as the German people did in the 1930s? Their failure to resist the Nazis left a terrible legacy for their children and grandchildren. The German people today have learned the bitter lesson from their history. They are determined not to repeat that moral failure. Germans are waging a resistance battle to preserve their hard-won freedom from tyranny. We must join this resistance and battle against the global tyranny. Before you take a risk, find out what it is. To learn more about vaccines, diseases, and the human right to inform consent, 
visit mvic.org, the website of the nonprofit charity, the National Vaccine Information Center. Since 1982, MVIC has worked to prevent vaccine injuries and deaths through public education and to secure informed consent protections in U.S. vaccine policies and laws. Visit mvic.org and mvicadvocacy.org to get well-referenced vaccine information that you can trust and share with your family, friends, and members of your community. It's your health, your family, your choice.